Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, John Helmkamp, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. What is up? Welcome back to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Okada is doing some sort of weird intro dance, I think. <laughs> uh, Bro, if you're not I'm watching on YouTube. All the haters. What do you mean what some sort of intro? Here is it, Okada. Was that a dab? What I don't think that's what a dab is, dude. Totally Cam Newton did that for like every touchdown he scored like two years ago, and that was not it. That was like um, okay. If you're not watching on YouTube, the dab is different. <laughs> his is cooler than yours. Let's let's be honest. Okay. If you're not watching on YouTube, uh, you're doing it wrong. wrong. <laughs> that is the place. If you can see, if you can bear to see our faces, that's the place to do it. Uh, of course, Okada is rocking a tank top on this fine Tuesday evening. Uh, John, of course, is rocking the backwards hat. It's it's what you guys come to, to love about the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we are back. This is, what is this, episode 136, Seven? 137? I don't even know anymore, man. It just feels like we've done so many shows. But just like all our other ones, this one is going to be absolutely fantastic. We have got a Dynasty-themed show for you guys tonight. Before we get into the content, though, let's check in with the other two on the show. Okada, John, what's going on, fellas? How are we doing? Um, Diddly Squat is going on, Bets. It is the middle of May with no sports, no going outside, and uh, working from home all day. Same. That is it. Yep. <laughs> that's that's about the extent cool. of it. Um, <laughs> although it is fun hearing that states are working on opening back up to professional sports, and that might potentially be coming. That's pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, it's kind of the the dead period right now. Post NFL draft, no OTAs uh, happening, no rookie mini camps. So mm-hmm. we're just kind of waiting. We're just kind of formulating and doing way too many startups. And if your name is John, if your name is me, um, I did. I, I did a lot. I'm still doing a lot. I have a problem. <laughs> um, John's going to literally own every single player in the NFL by the time this offseason is over. You know, that's a nice <laughs> goal. It's actually it's a nice goal to own the top 150 players in fantasy football. Across all platforms. I'm going to, I might do that. I might see if I can make that happen. That'd be fun. So real quick on that, like that note. So when I first started playing fantasy, I would get so invested in like my one or two teams and like who I owned, which player I had, like I would root for that player so hard on Sundays. Now that I'm in like, I don't even know, seven, eight, nine leagues, something like that. Plus a few redraft, like you just, you own way too many people to even like know who to root for versus who to root against. Does that make your Sunday more relaxing? Yes. As a fantasy player, what do you guys think? Yeah, I'm past the point where I'm like, okay, I need Matthew Stafford to throw for 302, and I need Aaron Rodgers to not throw more than 250 and and two. Like, you're beyond that point because if I got someone in this league, I'm probably playing him in another one, and I can just kind of watch football and enjoy it, and then watch the scores later and see what happened. See, I, yeah. I completely disagree. I feel like the difficulty that happens with those when you start adding a few more leagues gets amplified when you have 10 leagues because now you are almost certainly facing the same guy that you need to score points. Absolutely. And so no matter what happens, you lose somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, such a sports. a sports. Not everyone can win, Okada. 
True. Yeah. Well, hey, the the way to get around that is to play some DFS. <laughs> I did that last year a ton. <laughs> true. And also true. I was way more invested in that than like my redraft leagues or like my dynasty league, unless it was the the playoffs or something like that. But I think it makes the Sunday way more exciting. And speaking of DFS, some exciting news coming to Redshirts Fantasy Football and to Patreon. We have new tiers up on patreon.com slash redshirtspod. New as of uh, yesterday on Tuesday. So check those out. We have some DFS content coming from yours truly. Last year, uh, I did very well in player props betting. We will have that up on the site uh, for our Patreon supporters. And draft essentials come like between the three of us. So we're going to tell you... You know, players that we're targeting each round based off ADP. We're going to look at our top overall consensus rankings. We got so much more coming for you guys on Patreon for the subscribers. And by the way, guys, is there a better Slack channel or like fantasy football community than what we have? No. It is so freaking fun. Uh, the guys we have, they are, I don't even think they work. Like <laughs> people are just in there all day talking fantasy. So if you want to be a part of that, and I encourage you to check that out, please go to patreon.com slash redshirts pod and join uh, you will not be disappointed last quick bit of note here uh before we get into the news fellas Devonte adams oh. he signed a jersey oh. and we bought it Ooh. so we're we're giving it away literally for free for free giving it away the rules to enter are, are on the the pinned tweet uh, on our twitter page as well as on our instagram page check those out at red shirts ff pod all right boys that is enough of me rambling why don't you say we get into some news sure I got great news, guys. Oh, oh, got news. Hey, news. News, news, All right, so we were giving John a hard time. Of course, he's the Jonathan Taylor mm-hmm. enthusiast on the site on, and on the pod. Yes. There was a quote that came out from Coach Frank Reich of the Colts saying, quote, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a game this season that Naheem Hines has 10 catches. He went on to say, Philip Rivers has an uncanny ability to get the ball to the backs. Naheem will be very much integrated into the game plan on all three downs. Still enough snaps for him to be very, very productive this year. Very productive. End quote. Okada, were you counting? How many varies was that? I was counting. There were four Mm -hmm. uh, in that quote. He is all about this Naheem Hines. Guys, what do we do with it in fantasy? Because everyone is assuming he's not really part of the backfield, right? It's Jonathan Taylor. Everyone's talking about Marlon Mack. Like, is Naheem Hines going to be a PPR asset in fantasy this year? And if so, are we sleeping on him uh, as a fantasy community? I think he is. Um, Last year, I was a big, big fan, as some of you may remember. He was effective, honestly. Um, And Marlon Mack is not going to slide down to the Naheem Hines role. This is not like a 1-2-3 where Mack was in the 1 and Hines is in the 2. And now that Taylor's in the 1... They're each going to move down a peg. That's not the way it's going to work because Mac doesn't do what Hines does. And for that matter, neither does Taylor to the certainly to the degree that Hines does. Hines is a James White type pass catching uh, talent. And he will be there if he's not in the backfield on third down. He may be split out in the slot. He may be in the backfield with Jonathan Taylor. He may get in there on second down and longs. I think that he will be used very, very often enough to make him fantasy relevant in PPR leagues. If you're not playing in PPR, no thank you. Yeah. But if he can get 50 plus catches in a PPR league, it doesn't it hardly matters what else he does. That will be productive enough to be relevant. Yeah. Um, 
I I never assumed that he wasn't going to be in the picture. Um, we know that Jonathan Taylor's pass-catching prowess is not on an elite level. I think he's fine. I think that he's serviceable. He will get his opportunities. But, yeah, he Naheem Hines is, just like Okada said, the James White, Tariq Cohen uh, kind of running back, where in PPR, he might finish inside the top 24. In standard, he might be 48. Like, yeah. it, it could be that bad. Yep. But he's going to get work in the passing downs. And to me, it's more or less that he's like their third receiving option. Not that mm-hmm. he's like their running back option. To me, it kind of looks like Marlon Mack might be the one that's a little bit odd man out. Like, you've got Jonathan Taylor that you just invested a ton of capital in, moved up to get him in the second round. Um, he and Mack are surely going to split carries early. Absolutely. I think that, hap- that happens. Jonathan Taylor is not just walking in to 20 carries a game right off the bat. He will take it over at some point, but Mac's going to be there early in the season. Naheem Hines is going to be a PPR machine. Eventually Jonathan Taylor is going to be doing a much more amount of the heavy lifting. Hines is still going to be involved in the passing game and Marlon Max is going to become the really inexpensive backup to Jonathan Taylor. Cause he's only costing like two mil. I think it is against the cap this year. Very, very inexpensive. So, yeah, I I think Naheem Hines could definitely be worth uh, a late-round pick um, as a PPR option where, just like what we've talked about in the past with Tariq Cohen, he might get five, six, eight catches in a game, and that PPR value alone makes him a flex play. Yeah, it's unreal what receptions do in PPR formats to elevate a, a player's fantasy stock. You catch one pass for negative two yards and you still get fantasy points. <laughs> in standard or half PPR, you're losing points when that happens. So, yeah, it's unreal what that does. I mean, let's set, let's set an over-under line, guys. I, I'm a I'm a degenerate gambler. Uh, <laughs> 61 and a half yeah. receptions this year. What do you guys think? Over, under, Naheem Hines. Ooh. And that, that number just like felt right. I don't know why. It just felt right. Well, uh, I was just looking at his catches, and that's just under the mark from his rookie season, which was 63, and a little above his mark from last season, which is 44. So I think it's a decent line. Yeah. I think 61 and a half, I'm still going to gonna take the under, because I think it's right under that. I think it's like 57 to 60 would have been my ballpark. So technically, I'm going to take the under, but by so little that it hardly matters. It's a lot of catches. I was in a conversation today, shocking, in a startup, new and different for me, um, talking with some people <laughs> about this very thing because I took Jonathan Taylor early, like I've been doing all over the place. And they were like, that's going to be so great for your team when he doesn't catch anything. I'm like, it's Philip Rivers. He's going to panic and dump the ball off to his running back a lot. I told them in the channel, I was like, I still think Hines is going to get 60 catches. So when you said 61 and a half, I'm like, okay, we're pretty much on the same wavelength there. I think he's going to be right around that ballpark, 55 to 65, somewhere right in that window. Um, I still think that there's enough to go around where Jonathan Taylor could still catch anywhere from 25 to upwards of 35 on checkdowns out of the backfield. So I think that there's going to be plenty of receiving work available for the running backs in this offense with Phillip Rivers. And I think they're going to prioritize getting the ball to their backs in space. I think that's going to be kind of the, the calling card of that offense. Yeah, I agree. I, I lean slightly over. I mean, 
look at the wide receiver depth chart, right? It's T.Y. Hilton, and then it's a, a whole bunch of question marks. Paris I mean, Campbell. Paris Campbell is exciting, but we don't know what he really is in the NFL. Zach Pascal, I think, profiles more as a team's wide receiver 3-4 type of player. Michael Pittman Michael Jr. Pittman Jr., we like a lot, but what is he going to be this year? We don't know, especially in, in a year where the offseason program is just fluky and it's different. I think Naheem Hines is going to return some value this year as like a, a flex play on any given week. Mm-hmm. So I'm in on Naheem Hines this year as a, a sneaky play. The next piece of news here that we're going to talk about is injury-related. So, fellas, it's May. It's like the season of hype when injuries come out. Every player is in the best shape of their life. Their workout program is going great. They're doing all sorts of cool Instagram workouts. <laughs> Here's the truth. All right, guys. Big Ben was seen throwing a football oh. and, might I say, looking very good doing so because he does not have his beard anymore. And it turns out everyone was giving him a hard time. He told uh, whoever was taking the video that he posted on social media he wasn't going to shave his beard until he could throw a football the correct way. And they said, what do you mean? Like, throw it to, like, your kid? Or, or what do you mean? He said, no, like, throw it like I'm playing in the NFL, like a real NFL pass. And he's here without a beard and throwing the football to Juju. Now, before I speak on the injury side of things, I just want to know, like, what was your guys' initial reaction to that? Like, hyped about Juju, hyped about Ben, excited for the Steelers. What's your What's your temperature before I... Uh, before I talk about it, uh, I would like to choose D, all of the above, <laughs> because perfect. Uh, that that video was so hype. Um, first of all, Big Ben looking pretty good after he got he that trip. Yeah, like I think that maybe he was trying to trade for himself in a dynasty league this whole offseason. And so he was giving off this. He figured out the look that made him look the fattest and most unathletic. But in reality, underneath, he was actually pretty svelte. So he looks like he's fine. He looks like he'd be ready to go. Juju, I'm excited about Big Ben coming back because he's going to have a legitimate NFL quarterback instead of the doo-doo carousel that he dealt with last year. The whole offense is going to get better because of that same reason. It's all signs pointing up, in my opinion. Which sounds like an overreaction, but I don't think it is. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm here to throw a little bit of cold water on it. Because, okay, he's in gym shorts and throwing a pass on a practice field to his number one wide receiver. It was like a 15 yard slant, like. He threw the ball. Congratulations. I'm really happy for you that you're on your way back. That is great for you as an individual and for the Steelers as a franchise. But didn't we all expect him to be doing this? Like, this isn't new information. This is everyone's been saying we expect Ben to be coming back for the season. That's what I've been hearing. Like, I don't think so. Everybody's shake, been saying no. Kind of shaking his yeah, head. Yeah, I no. started shaking my head when he said that because that's the whole thing. Everybody's been saying. Oh my gosh, what has happened to Big Ben? He has fallen off the truck and is bouncing along the ground and away go the Steelers into the sunset. I I thought that he looked really, um, how should I say? Horrific? Chunky. (laughs) Terrifying. um, (laughs) Grizzly Adams-esque. Grizzly Adams, yes. Like, yes, he's looked that way with that grody freaking beard. Um, just so bad, dude. So bad. Um... I can't believe he's married and that someone actually let him do that. Um, I'm sure they weren't happy about but, it. No, they were not. But I still thought that he was going to be coming back. Like, I still thought he was going to be coming. That's how everyone's been treating all of the Steelers players in drafts. 
is that there's no quarterback question going into next season. That's why Juju's going early. That's why Deontay Johnson has all this hype. That's why you're even seeing some late round uh, James Washington flyers because everyone thought that Ben's coming back. To me, this doesn't change anything about the situation. Everyone being like, he's back. Yes, Juju Dynasty wide receiver one. It's like, chill out, man. Like, He's going to be coming back. He was back. always a dynasty wide receiver one. Yeah, shut up. No, he's not. But That hasn't changed. No, he's not. Um, go bets. No, he's not. <laughs> um, but I just don't think that this changes anything for me. It's nothing different. We expected him to be coming back. I still have concerns about Juju operating as a true wide receiver one. Granted, he's still ridiculously young, and I give him that. So you still draft for that upside and for what he showed early in his career. Um, but to me, I'm just like, Okay, congratulations. You were on a practice field and you threw a slant to an NFL wide receiver. Great. Okay. Yes. So here's my take on the situation, guys. This could not be further from a question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. This is why you tune into the podcast, right? Inside information on injuries, and I just tell you it's a complete question mark. But here's the reality. Big Ben tore the ulnar collateral ligament on the inside of his elbow, which basically sits, if you're watching on YouTube, is kind of in this region right here. It's the injury that everyone has when they have Tommy John surgery. Baseball pitchers, mm. everyone knows that. Huge injury, huge recovery. Some players in baseball never make it back on a field right. because of this injury. So it's not great from a, a prognosis standpoint. But for Big Ben, they didn't do Tommy John surgery. There's reports out there saying that he had three tendons reattached in his elbow. And I'm kind of reading the tea leaves and saying it wasn't that. It wasn't Tommy John. They probably did the new procedure that's out there. And this is new in the last couple of years where basically they repair uh, the ligament and then they kind of give it like a an external support, so to speak. And it's, it's super complicated. And, you know, feel free to hit me up in Slack uh, patrons or on Twitter if you want more questions. But basically, it's a new procedure. It heals really reliably and really fast. And that's why we're seeing Big Ben throw. But we have no idea how it does long term. So you could tell me in two years that he's out of the league and has never thrown a football again in his life. Or you could tell me that he would be playing for another three years and totally fine. And I would say both are probably correct because we have no idea how it performs. And it's just a disadvantage of new procedures in medicine. We don't know how he's going to do. I will say from a, a recovery standpoint, baseball pitchers, because of the motion that they have, the torque on the elbow, the velocity, how many pitches they throw in a season... The risk is much, much greater compared to an NFL quarterback who's throwing, you know, on the high side, 30 times a game, probably sitting out practice if you're Big Ben because he's, what, 38 years old. So it is a complete question mark, and it is fascinating to see what's going to happen this year with Big Ben. I think they chose to do that procedure because they know this is it. Like, why give this guy a huge recovery if you can get him back on the field faster and potentially have the same risk? So... Juju is going to be fascinating. The entire offense is going to be fascinating. But I'll tell you what, guys. If Juju is operating as the team's one in the slot with Big Ben, I am all in on that this season. Considering the fact that when you look at the team plays, how many they ran last year, second to last in the entire NFL. They couldn't move the ball at all with Mason Rudolph for Duck Hodges. Year before, fourth most plays in the NFL. So I'm betting on volume and I'm betting on Juju in the slot. And I think Big Ben can hold up just enough this year to get him the ball. So that's my take on the situation. Sorry for being long-winded. Feel free to ask more questions about that uh, in Slack. Guys, next piece of news, the Footwork King. And if you're not familiar, listeners, the Footwork King is 
a hype man, a, a trainer. I don't even know what he is. I think he's a trainer, like an agility specialist. He posts all these workouts, these NFL players, usually in the offseason, doing their conditioning work. He showed Jarek McKinnon working out just two weeks after we saw a report that said he wasn't even cutting yet, two years removed from his ACL injury. I'm going to do the same thing I did with Ben, guys. I'm going to I'm gonna get your first take, your initial reaction, and then I'm going to talk about it from an injury perspective. So go ahead. What do you think? Oh, this one I don't want to talk about as immediately because, A, I can't <laughs> evaluate cutting of uh, knees on a field as well as I can evaluate cutting of beard hairs on a Steelers quarterback. But, Hashtag analysis. Yes. Uh, but also because... I don't know, even if Jarek McKinnon is healthy, what to expect at all whatsoever if he comes back 100% for the 49ers. Because Kyle Shanahan does what he wants with those running backs, which is, it's a hot hand thing. It's a, he knows who to game plan against a specific team. Who even knows how he figures it out? But he picks the guy that he thinks will work. This even switched within, within the playoffs when both guys were doing well between Coleman and Mostert. Back and forth. I think McKinnon has the ability, if 100% healthy, to be the most talented running back on that team. I will say that. I think he can be the best pass catcher. And I think overall, he could be the most talented running back on that team. Having said that, I have no expectations that he's going to be an RB1 anytime soon. I don't think he's going to get 200 carries anytime soon. So this is the kind of situation where you have to hope that He's the hot hand more often than not and has PPR value playing on third downs, even if he's not the lead guy. I, I'm i willing to take a flyer on him and I'm willing to trade for him in Dynasty considering how low the price should be, which is like nothing. Peanuts. But my expectations are limited. Would you give a third for him? This year? Yeah, let's uh, say you haven't had your rookie draft yet. I think I would give a mid to late third. I think in the early third, there's still some guys I probably want before him. But if you told me a mid to late third, I might do it. All right. And yeah, I, think thoughts, would, I think that would I think that would get it done too. Sorry, John, go ahead. No, that that would totally get it done. Um I'm willing to take a chance on Raheem Mostert based on what he did down the stretch and in the playoffs and earn the trust in the Super Bowl. And showed out. I think that of all the running backs in that backfield, Mostert has the early advantage leg up to be the guy that's going to get the most carries early. And I think that he might do a good job of carving out a solid role, like maybe 12 carries a game or something along that line. I think that could potentially happen. The rest of that backfield, I don't want to touch because of Mm. everything that Okada was just saying about Shanahan. It's like, the new Bellatrix. Like you just have no idea what's going to take place in that backfield because he doesn't care. He doesn't care who's back there at all. He doesn't have a bell cow guy that he's like, well, I'm committed to this dude and getting him 18 and a half carries per game on the course of the season. He just doesn't care. The scheme works for basically whoever's back there, or maybe just slightly tweaked to the skill set of the individual player going against that opponent that week. I don't want anything to do with the San Francisco backfield except for maybe Mostert who might just have the early advantage on being the lead guy. But this lead guy is not a bell cow back by any means at all. The lead running back in that system, I don't think 
gets 200 carries on the year. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's it's so tricky to predict week to week. I will say in this offense, I want the pass catching running back. And I believe Okada, you know, you and I last year and even the year before, we talked about McKinnon in that role. So mm-hmm. I'm intrigued to see how he fits in with the offense because we give him like 75 carries. Who cares? I want to see him catch the football. And that's where he would be effective. Now, let's break down the injury because he's a guy that it's been so tough and it's so unfortunate. Tore the ACL in his right knee in 2018 in training camp. Missed the entire season, obviously, having surgery. Comes back. He's in training camp last year. It just didn't go right. Something went wrong with his rehab. Suffered a setback. Now, every report that I've read says his ACL is still intact. Things are okay there. Meniscus looks good, but he required a secondary procedure. Typically, what that means is either there's a small cartilage piece, basically, that kind of um, is irritating the joint, and so they have to go in and take it out, or they have what's called a cleanup procedure because uh, there's too much scar tissue that kind of develops in the joint. It creates stiffness, pain. You move funny. It it just changes the way your mechanics work. So one of those two things probably happened. Again, they shut him down for the season. So we haven't seen Jarek McKinnon on a football field since 2017. Like It's been a while. Uh, So who knows what he's going to be this year. But let's break down the injury because uh, the cutting video, I think, is really important to, to watch. We're going to try to, to get it here up on the screen for you guys on YouTube. So if you're not watching on YouTube, check that out for sure. We'll see if I can screw up the uh, <laughs> the technology here. One sec. So we'll remove the overlay. We're going to yeah. bring this guy. Oh, hey, here we go. Beautiful. Well done. So here's what I, got, I want you guys to watch for. And you'll see it's his right knee, right? So you'll see him when he's moving. When he puts his foot in the ground on the left leg, it's very different than when he puts his foot on the ground on the right. So watch this here. He's going to run a slant. Boom, sticks his foot in the ground and goes. Watch now on these next couple of clips here. He's going to move off the right. That's a rounded route. He doesn't push off on the right right leg as much. And I think you see it more in the very, very first uh, clip, which I think is going to show here in a second, uh, right after this slant right here. It's it's just not what I want to see out of a running back two years out of ACL. You want to be able to see those guys looking like they're moving with symmetry. And, you know, even I, like as a physical therapist, Two years out, you should be able to look at someone and say, I don't even know which knee it was, but you can tell like that's rounded and boom, right off the left leg. So it's just different. I think he's a ways away, uh, unfortunately. And I think honestly, um, I think it's going to be a little bit before we see him potentially have a role in this offense. So I'm excited to see if he can be something, but I'm certainly not counting on it uh, by any means. Which is kind of what you say about a late third round rookie pick. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, I say it, with this news, I would say if there's an owner that's hyped and they're like, oh, sweet. Did you see that video of McKinnon? Um, dangle a second rounder out there, like a 2021 second. Mm. Dangle it out there. And I would smash that if I could. Wow. So, yeah, for sure. I will say Hi, boys. Uh, in closing that I might be biased because yes. I have a dynasty team, which bets <laughs> is in that league, that is so bad. <laughs> oh, God. It is so bad that my running backs, my starting running backs in my lineup right now are Sony Michelle and Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> what could go wrong? So, yeah. <laughs> enjoy uh, Justin Fields next year. Indeed. Have That's fun. my goal. Have well, fun with that. Well, hey, that is the correct way to tank. If you're going to yep. tank, you got to go all, all in. in. you got to rebuild. you got to do it. You have to You have to suck for two years. You, ha- yep. you just have to. But Embrace that's the not suck. the theme of the show. We are talking about going for the win, going for the ship, going for the title. And to do that, again, you have to go all in. So we're going to talk about some players tonight that we are recommending. Go all in. Get these guys on your roster to help you win now. 
and and make that move to put you over the top because I'll tell you what, guys, even though Okada likes losing in Dynasty, I prefer uh, to win personally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, all right, fellas, we're going to go around the clock here. Uh, let's kick it over to John first. John, yeah. who was your first buy for Dynasty contenders? So, if I am a Dynasty team that is, you know, right there looking like one of the top four teams in the league, the position that I want to shore up the most is running back. That's the position where I want studs that are going to produce right now. Um, I'm not really looking a couple years down the road. It's we're all in for a championship right now this year. Um, I'm going to go for a running back that has his veteran future Hall of Fame, high accuracy quarterback coming back probably for one more season. I'm going with Alvin Kamara. Um, Alvin Kamara is coming off a year where he missed a couple games. Um, his numbers across the board were down a little bit, although he was still a PPR monster with 81 receptions in 14 games. But we all know he only had those five touchdowns on the year and he went like, I'm forgetting the number offhand, nine weeks, something like that without a touchdown. It was like two and a half months, something ridiculous, nine or 10 weeks, something like that in the middle of the season where he didn't score with all of the work he gets with the amount of receptions that he gets. It is the flukiest thing ever that he did not have like his normal double digit touchdown total that he gets year in and year out so far in the NFL. This is the last year where I feel really, really confident with Alvin Kamara because one, he's in a contract year next year. He's going to need a contract. They're either going to resign him or I don't know if they're tearing it down after Drew Brees walks away. So I don't know what's going to happen there with Alvin Kamara. And this is the last year most likely of Drew Brees being in town. But if I'm all in right now for a championship, I will take this guy who, like I said, had 81 receptions in 14 games. You put that over 16 games, you're in the 90s, you know, could potentially flirt with 100 receptions. This dude is a PPR machine. He should be right back to his ways of scoring touchdowns, and he should absolutely be considered as probably a top five dynasty running back. But because of the numbers that he had last year, because of the down totals, because of the future potential outlook, you might be able to go get this dude at a little bit of a discount. And that's why he's on this list for me is because the owner that has him, if that person is not in contention right now, they might be looking to sell off the running back that they could potentially see a cliff coming shortly for. So you might be able to go out and get this dude way less than you would have had to pay for him last year. Yeah, I think that kind of what you said there at the end is the key with Camaro, yeah. which is this is like usually when we talk about these this question and we try to answer this question, a lot of the names that are going to come up are going to be old guys who are going to, you know, we they're going to retire from the league in a couple of years, let alone maybe hit a cliff in a year. Camaro's not that at all. He's, he's very only 24. Young, has, he's only yeah, 24. he's all three years in the league. So he's got, you know, a few years left at least of good production. Yeah. So it seems weird, but if you can buy him on the dip of those touchdowns, to your point, that is what makes it worth it. And the other thing is, if you're a team that's contending, you are probably more willing to offer first-round picks to get somebody. So with a lot of the, with a lot of these other guys we'll talk about, you don't have to offer a first-round pick. With Camaro, you're going to have to offer more than a first-round pick, probably. Yeah. Uh, more than more even than a high first-round pick. Probably. But... But as a contending team, 
you're probably more willing to do that because you're going for right now. You don't need that rookie right now. You just want to win a dang championship. Yep. So I kind of like it, uh, and I do see him as a bounce back. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if there was ever a year to bet on Alvin Kamara, I think it's this year to be what he was a couple of years ago. And the reason I say that is just because Drew Brees is one year older. Yes, he is still producing at a high level, but make it simple for the guy. Give him the the running back out of the backfield. Alvin Kamara is, what, top two pass catching running backs in the league? Yeah, behind CMC. Top three, maybe? I don't know. I, I don't know if there's yeah. anyone better besides CMC at being a pass catching running back. And I will say, John, you mentioned like maybe someone sees a cliff coming. I don't see it with Kamara, man. Right. He, these pass catching backs tend to last longer in the NFL than these typical, you know, carry the ball 25 times up the middle type backs. So you might be able to, to talk to an owner in your league and say, hey, man, look, like Breeze is going to be gone soon. You know, I'm in it for this year. I know you're trying to rebuild, but like, let me get Kamara for this season. Like, I'll give you a couple first. What do you think? Meanwhile, you know, you're getting Kamara for this year and next year. So, yeah, I would do that for sure. Like you said, super young. He's the most expensive player on our list that we're going to talk about tonight. Yep. But yeah, you can't argue with that production with uh, with having Kamara. I like that a lot. All right, Okada, back to you, man. Hit us with your first player to trade for if you're a contender. Alrighty, I am going the other route, the aged, undervalued veteran route, and it is going to be a wide receiver who has been undervalued for years now, but especially right now feels, I I don't understand the disrespect. It's Marvin Jones of the Detroit Lions, 30-year-old wide receiver. Listen, he's missed some games over the past few years, and hopefully Betts can talk a little bit to that injury history and see if we expect it anymore. But when he's played, he has been extremely productive, both from a yards uh, perspective and, more importantly, from a touchdown perspective. He's one of the most reliable scoring receivers in the league, honestly, especially per like on a per-target basis. So over the last three seasons, if you, if you take his per-game numbers and you put them out over a whole season, 67 catches, 1,005 yards, 10 touchdowns would be his average in a 16-game season based on the last three years of production. That is disgusting, but it's also not out of the the realm of possibility because it's what he does well. He catches deep balls well, he catches catches contested catches well, and he has a quarterback coming back in Matthew Stafford who throws those balls well. And so right now you're buying him coming off of two years of missing games— you're buying him off of last season when he played a lot of the games that he did play with worse quarterbacks than we just talked about with the Steelers and Juju, which is saying David something. Blau. David Blau. David Blau. Who balled on Thanksgiving, mean? by the way. True, <laughs> true. That he is did. not false. Um, and you're getting a guy who, on a per-game basis last year, even with Stafford not there, was the wide receiver 21 yeah. in the realm of Cal- Calvin Ridley, DJ Chark, and Jarvis Landry. All of who we're talking about rounds ahead of Marvin Jones. And yes, they're younger, mostly. Landry's not too much younger. But you can go out there and get Jones, I think. You guys correct me if I'm wrong. For a late second round pick at this point. Yeah. I think so. John's hesitating. Betts agrees. Mid at the earliest, John. And, and, it, I, and yeah. I would do it. And I would smash that. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. If you're a contender, yeah. getting a guy who's, if he plays a full season, you're looking at eight to ten touchdowns potentially. thousand yards. And a thousand yards. Slap at the base. Slap at the base. 
has Marvin Jones ever been valued correctly no. in his entire career in no. fantasy football? No, probably not. Like he is the perfect like he. It's just so easy, right? Like every year, fantasy football, your podcast gets ready. You're like, all right. It's spring. Like, who are we going to talk about buys? Oh, let's just talk about Marvin, Marvin Jones, Jones this year. Fine. All right. It's August. Let's talk about sleepers and late round values. Who do you guys want to talk about? Marvin, Marvin Jones. Jones. Why not? He is the perfect wide receiver three for your dynasty roster. And you can pay like wide receiver four, wide receiver five prices for him. Going in the double digit rounds of dynasty startups. I'm in, man. And you talked about the injury. Um, I was actually uh, messaging on Twitter with ESPN NFL Nation reporter Michael Rothstein. He's the the Lions uh, beat reporter for ESPN. Because I'm writing up the blurbs for the fantasy footballers injury uh, report for the draft kit. And I was like, man, there are no details about Marvin Jones. Like, what can you tell me? And that's not surprising, right? This is the Lions team that comes from the Patriots organization. Yep. They're very hush-hush about injuries. So guys like me that are trying to do some digging, uh, I had no idea. So I, I chatted with him and he said, basically, what I'm understanding is it was not a, a serious injury. There was no surgery performed. He said, outside of that, I can't really tell you too much. Now, based off the video, it happened in, in one of the last couple games of the season. He got his ankle rolled up on by another defender, probably a high ankle sprain type of variety. So with those, we're looking to see, does the player have surgery or not? It, it tells you the severity. And if he's not having surgery, it suggests that it's probably a low-grade injury. So with all of that being said... I'm going to treat Marvin Jones as if he's going to be healthy this year, unless I hear otherwise. And so, you know, for that reason, I'm in on Marvin Jones, man. And it feels like every year he's just the perfect fantasy football value. Yeah, bets, for your roster. bets just go ahead and schedule the tweet now for April of 2021. <laughs> yep. Discount veteran perfect. wide receivers that you <laughs> yep. can buy cheap. Just schedule it now. Yep. That passing that would actually be hilarious you should if you, you actually sh- did that you should absolutely do it from the show account schedule it out for like next march or april you know pre-draft yep. yeah <laughs> just just put it out there that passing attack in detroit and we've talked about it a little bit in recent shows so i'm not gonna harp on it too much but it's probably the most underrated passing attack mm. in the entire nfl right now they were mm. cooking yep. last year before Matthew. stafford got hurt he was on pace for like 5,000 yards, 33 touchdowns without the 30 interceptions that Jameis was going to throw. Like he was Jameis Winston without all the picks last year. He was going to be a fantasy star. He was going to win you leagues and he's still being criminally undervalued as well. Um, But you're looking for a solid week in week out wide receiver two on your roster, thousand yards, eight touchdowns. Marvin Jones is that guy, and he's opposite of Kenny Galladay, who continues to ball out and emerge. Galladay's going really high. I mean, I'm seeing him go in startups in, like, the third, probably. The third, or yeah. third maybe yep. fourth round. And Marvin Jones is going, like, literally eight rounds later than that. It's, it's yep. criminal. It doesn't make any sense. Yes, Galladay's good, but the difference in production that, that they're going to put up does not warrant this massive gap between the two. So I I completely agree. I think that's great. If I could throw a second round pick to the guy that has him and add him to a contending roster, um, I'll do that all day long. And in fact, I think I'm going to go make some inquiries after the show. Yeah, perfect. 
Uh, I'm going to talk about my player here next, guys, but I'm going to save this one because I want to follow it up right after Okada talks about his player. Okay. Spoiler alert. Oh. Uh, they play for the same team. Uh-huh. So my first dynasty buy is a guy everyone was on last year, right? They were like, dude, this guy's going to be running back one. They run the ball a ton in Baltimore. I'm talking about Mark Ingram, man. He was the dude last year. And now they have J.K. Dobbins and no one wants Mark Ingram. <laughs> no one wants Mark Get him Ingram. Out of here. And maybe that's for good reason. But I'm going to tell you why it's not. They ran the ball at an insane clip last year. The most in the entire NFL. And I'm not just talking about like a little bit more than the next best team. Like five rush attempts more than the next best team, which was the Niners. Even if J.K. Dobbins comes in, I'm going to give him like 750, 800 rush yards this year. That's fine. Because you know what, guys? Gus freaking Edwards came in last year and ran for 711 yards. Mark Ingram is going to be a back-end RB2 in fantasy this year, and you can get him for, like, a late second, like, third-round rookie pick. Everyone is scared by J.K. Dobbins, and rightly so in Dynasty, right? Like, I'm telling you, if you're a Dynasty contender, this is a one-year play. You're not going to take Mark Ingram to be the guy for two years. It's J.K. Dobbins' team in the future. But for 2020, Mark Ingram's not just going to be like, all right, J.K., like, here you go, man. This is your backfield. (laughs) Mark Ingram's still going to touch the ball probably close to 200 times. And with how good that rush attack is, I'll take a back-end RB2 for one more year. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are about that, but I like it a lot. Uh, Obviously, you can tell I'm super excited about it. Yeah, no, I I like it. And I actually like it for another little reason that I think is probably going uh, unheralded. Which, you know, we can talk about J.K. Dobbins. We can say he's not going to be too much of an issue. But then the the immediate response from everybody is going to be, but Lamar Jackson, he's going to run for 1,200 yards. Their RB1 is their quarterback. Listen, guys, Lamar Jackson just had the greatest rushing season by a quarterback in NFL history. Maybe that will ever occur. That is probably not going to happen again. We talk about regression every year with all the different players. When Patrick Mahomes threw 50 touchdowns, we said he's not going to go throw 50 touchdowns again next year. It doesn't mean he's going to be bad, but he's not going to do it again. Lamar Jackson is not going to rush for 1,200 yards. He might still rush for 1,000, which would be insane. Back to back. Insane. 1,000 yards for a quarterback, back to back season. Yes. That'd be nuts. That would be insane. Yeah. So if we're projecting, you know, he might even be less than that in the high hundreds. Meanwhile, what is every team in the AFC North doing this offseason? Figuring out how to defend Lamar Jackson. (laughs) Yes, 100%. (laughs) They are all sitting in their tape rooms and saying, how do we stop Lamar Jackson? Because we cannot win this division if he is running all over us. NFL teams are going to figure out how to counter the Lamar Jackson phenomenon to a degree. Is he still going to have 800 yards? Maybe. Is he still going to be QB 1, 2, or 3 in fantasy? Probably. But those rushing yards are going to go from him to potentially somewhere else, such as a guy named Mark Ingram. So that was a, a bit of a tangent to talk about Lamar Jackson, but it comes back to the point of, I like it, Bet, Give me some Mark Ingram. Yes, and it's warranted too, right? Like you, I agree. Like that's, the, that's the pushback a lot of people will say is, it's Lamar Jackson's backfield. I don't, you know, I don't want Mark Ingram. But like you're saying, you, you just have to look at, the odds and like what is the statistical relevance of like what is going to happen this year versus what happened last year and like you said regression is coming for Lamar still a stud in fantasy but will we see what we saw last year probably not all right boys before we move on to the next player I want to pause real quick thank the sponsor of today's show that is FFPC guys we're talking dynasty dynasty is great if you're not playing dynasty 
You're doing it wrong, man. Dynasty is the best type of fantasy football, in my Agreed. opinion. I love Agreed. it. And there's no better place to play than FFPC, the Fantasy Football Players Championship. They have high-stakes leagues. They've got leagues that are you know, reasonably priced. But guys, you can win so much money on FFPC playing with really, really good uh, you know, players who know what they're doing. And that just makes the league more fun, in my opinion. You know, there's a couple owners here there in my leagues that just like don't really know what's happening. And yeah, it's it's nice because you can win against them. But like (laughs) I want to play against people who know what they're doing. You know that you're going to get a good matchup every week. FFPC is the place to go if you're serious about fantasy football. The link is redshirtsfantasyfootball.com slash FFPC. Check them out. Dynasty leagues. Guys, this is crazy. They have literally never had a league that had to fold because they always find owners to step right in. And take over. So if you're looking for a league that you can rely uh, and trust, that is the place to do it. RedshirtsFantasyFootball.com slash FFPC. All right, boys. Round two here of our buys for contenders. John, kick it back to you, man. Who you got? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with a wide receiver that has been uh, very stable, uh, very consistent, um, who is losing some luster in the eyes of fantasy owners everywhere because of a second-year wide receiver that everyone loves, including myself. Very high on. But I'm talking about Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett is a great asset, a great deep ball wide receiver. His passer rating when targeted by Russell Wilson uh, was perfect, I think. Isn't that the number? Two years ago. Perfect two years ago. Yeah. And last year was just under it. Like really, really close. He has a great chemistry with Russell Wilson. They're fantastic on the deep ball connection. They're great when working like the back line of the end zone, as we've seen several times, including that ridiculous rollout throw across his body. Just, oh, just. You're talking about the one against the Rams on Thursday night football? At home against the Rams. Back left corner of the end zone. Best catch of the year by far. By far. It was so dirty. That was the lock screen on my phone until I just... Oh, wait, no. Yes. Hold on. I'm sorry. It still is. The <laughs> lock screen on my phone is Tyler Lockett, toe drag swag in the back of the end zone on that ridiculous dime. Russell Wilson is a magician. Tyler Lockett knows how to make the most of it. DK Metcalf is there and DK Metcalf is there to stay. These two wide receivers are both going to carve in a little bit to each other's upside, but they are both going to be very, very reliable assets for your team. If I can have Tyler Lockett as the wide receiver two on my team, and he's going to flirt with probably top 16 value on the season, I will smash that. And with the ascension of DK Metcalf, I think that Tyler Lockett owners are getting a little weary because there were a couple of weeks towards the end of the season where Lockett's performance really dipped hard and he kind of went away. I think that was a little bit fluky. I don't think that DK Metcalf is going to outshine him by a ton. I do think that DK Metcalf is going to be the wide receiver one on that team by the end of the season. I do think that happens. But I think that Tyler Lockett has a very safe floor with his chemistry with Russell Wilson, with their ability on scramble drills, with their insane connection and passer rating when targeted by him. The dude doesn't drop passes at all. He's incredible. He's going to be a very, very safe wide receiver too for your fantasy. And he's still only 26 years old. I think he'll be 27 before the season starts. So he's not old by any means. He's going to be around for a while. So he's someone that is going to help you win this year and someone that you can keep on your roster for the next three to four seasons after that. I love it. I'm all in on Tyler Lockett this year. 
I, there's a, a handful that I know off the top of my head that I'm going to be higher than the, the fantasy consensus industry on. One of those guys is Tyler Lockett. I mean, the, the chemistry between he and Russ is unreal. I would say it's up there with like the likes of Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Like it's yeah. it's so so good on the scramble plays when when Russ is getting loose. It, Tyler Lockett just knows how to find those holes in the defense, and it works perf- like perfectly every single time. I think DK is going to continue to rise, but I would not be shocked if by the end of the year, Tyler Lockett still leads the team in fantasy points, especially at the wide receiver position. And we're going to probably talk about this too much this season, and it's unfortunate, but with what's going on in our society, in our country, in fantasy football this year, I'm going to target consistency and reliability. And offenses that don't have a lot of change happening in them, this Seahawks team doesn't have a lot changing on the offensive side of the ball. And let's not forget, all these running backs coming off of injury, you could see more pass attempts from Russ this year, and obviously that means good things for the pass catchers. So, yeah, man, I'm totally in on Tyler Lockett in redraft and in dynasty. Like you said, no one's talking about this dude. Everyone's all excited about DK Metcalf, thanks to John, because he's been hyping him up. It's true. Uh, But he's, he's here to tell you, don't forget about Tyler Lockett. So, I love it, man. I'm definitely in on that. Now, can you get him for a second, or is it going to be a late first? Because I don't think you can get him for a second. I don't think you can either. I don't think so. All right. I think you can get him for an early second, maybe. Um, but a late late first, probably. Yeah. All right. Just want to make I would sure do it. people know. I would know. definitely do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, like him or the wide receivers going in the end of the first round, if I want to win now, it's not even a question I want Tyler Lockett. And if I'm a team that's rebuilding, it's very little question that I want uh, Brandon Ayuk or T. Higgins uh, or pick your guy. So that's that's a trade that could work and should work, and you should do it if you're a contender. I like it. Yep. Yes, sir. All right, Okada, we're back to you, man. Who Ooh. is your second contender uh, buy for this All right. episode? All right, Bets. We are apparently obsessed with this team now all of a sudden because I feel like both <laughs> of us have talked about it in each of the last two episodes, and not on purpose, yep. <laughs> but it's just the way things are going. Here's the thing, guys. I'm going to pick and and target a running back who has scored in the last three seasons, not in his career, in the last three seasons, 42 rushing touchdowns and 12 receiving touchdowns, by the way, 54 scrimmage touchdowns. I'm sure you can probably guess who it is because only one guy in the NFL is doing that, and it's Todd Gurley. Listen, last year was, we knew it going into the season, oh boy, what can we expect from Todd Gurley after that playoff run? Are they going to give him no touches? And to a degree, they kind of did, and he was disappointing to what he had been previously. I don't know if he's really disappointing to what we kind of thought he was going to be, because we kind of expected this. Even in spite of all of that, he scored 14 touchdowns, guys. 12 rushing, 2 receiving. 14 touchdowns. I feel like no one knows that. No! No one (laughs) knows that he scored 14. I think it is the third most... Unknown stat, the first being Deontay Johnson led all rookie wide receivers, the second being Kenny Galladay led all receivers with, I think, nine touchdowns, which was disgusting. No, no, it was way more than that. Eleven? Yeah, it was uh, double digit. Uh, are you sure? Check it. In I, any case, I think it was so. Kenny Galladay it. who led the league. Third, Todd Gurley still scored 14 touchdowns despite the implosion of the Rams offense, the horrific decline of the Rams offensive line that went from best in the league in 2018 to legitimately bottom two in the league in 2019. And he still was a top uh, 24 running back by a lot. He, in fact, he was RB 14. So he almost cracked 
RB1 territory on the season. And that was with a, a beginning of the season that was still coming off of that injury and what I just talked about with the Rams offense and offensive line declining massively. Now he's going to a Falcons offense that I think will be as good or better than certainly the Rams offense last year, as good as it was over the couple years before that, which means Gurley slides into a potentially similar role. This is an offense where we've seen tons of running back production over the last four or five years, uh, back when they had Shanahan, and still now, uh, when it was Devontae Freeman when he was healthy, Last year was a bit of a mess for all their running backs, but when they've had healthy running backs, those guys have produced as a core. The core is now Todd Gurley, and that's yeah. it. So he's going to get those touches. They signed him to a one-year deal to give him those touches. They did not sign him to a one-year deal to be a 200-touch running back who they have to baby because he's got a broken knee. All right? He's going to come out here and get 275, 300 touches, he is going to score double-digit touchdowns. Lock it in. You give me one player in the entire league to choose to score double-digit touchdowns, I'm choosing Todd Gurley on the Falcons. No question. And that is going to be enough to give you top 15 running back production. And he is getting zero dynasty love. He In startups, he's going in like the 7th, 8th round. He's like in the mid to high 20s among running backs. And that's fine it's okay and understandable to a degree because if you're in a dynasty startup, a lot of people are thinking for three to four years down the line. But if you're a contender who's just trying to trade to win now and you're going for a guy who you want one or two years out of, Todd Gurley is a top 15 running back. To me, that feels like a smash. I think he can be a top 15 running back for a couple more years even. But this next year, he's going to be a top 15 running back, potentially an RB1. And I think you can get him for pennies on the dollar a huge drop off. You talked about Kamara's drop off, John. Yeah. Gurley's drop off is like triple that. Yeah. So go out and get you yeah. some Gurley. Get you some Gurley. Get you some. Mm. Gurley. Get you a Gurley. <laughs> get you a Gurley. <clears throat> no, I, I like it. That is cute. Um, I like this a lot. Now, for me, there's if I'm in win now mode and I need him this season and I'm willing to go all in. Yes, I'm willing to take on the risk for his health concerns and contract. I'm willing to do that. And I would only do this if I thought that I had a real shot at winning the championship. I wouldn't mortgage yes. my future if I didn't think that I was close. I'm talking about Todd Gurley should be like the fourth running back on your team. And and all, you have four of the top like 15 in the NFL. Like that's the kind of roster you, I need to have. Or I, I need to have four of the top 15 wide receivers. And he's like my second or third running back at that point. But... You need to have a stacked roster to go out and make this happen because they are going to run him into the ground, like what Okada just said. 275, 300 touches absolutely could happen unless the wheels fall off in week 10 because it's possible that that happens. They held Gurley back so hard for the first like month to six weeks of the season last year where he was getting like 12 touches a game, 14 touches a game, something like that, before deciding, okay, you know what, let's just turn him loose and let him happen. And then he still scored a bunch of touchdowns. The upside is absolutely there for Todd Gurley to flirt with running back one production. The fact that they did not commit to him long term, that he's on a one-year contract, and they're going to run him into the absolute ground concerns me. Because I don't want to pay a ton for a running back that I think there is a decent chance completely falls apart close to the end of the season as you're making a championship run. If I'm making a real championship run, I will take that risk and I'll see if it happens or not. 
but I need to have other running back depth in order to make that happen. And if I'm not in contention, I'm not touching Todd Gurley. This is a, a completely range of outcomes assessment to, to talk about Todd Gurley. Because like Okada's saying, and like John's saying, and I agree, he's going to have the first, second, third, and fourth opportunity to be the running back <laughs> on this team. Ito Smith, Quadra Allison. He already is. Um, oh, he, he's walking in uh, to a starting Brian game. Hill. Like, yeah. Yes, exactly. The contract says, you know what? It's one year. Let's run him into the ground. So I agree with everything you guys are saying. But that is the concern with Todd Gurley's knee, right? Like, there's some injuries where it's it's an all-or-none thing, where it's like, you know what? He's over it. We're good. With Todd Gurley, this is a management issue. And so if they say, all right, Todd, here you go. Here's 20 carries per game. In October, it's going to look awesome. In December, it might look horrible for your roster because of how that could just kind of flare up on him. So we just don't know. And it's so hard to predict. So for me, this is all about what the price is to get Todd Gurley. If it's manageable and you can take on the risk, do it. He's going to touch the ball a ton. It's a good offense. But if you're like, man, I, I'm going to buy him this year and hopefully he gets through it and next year is the year for Todd Gurley. No, don't do that. Do not buy him in that scenario. But if you're a contender, if you're a top two or three team and you just need one more piece to get you over the edge, then I like it. But it's, it's all about price for me with Todd Gurley. So he's he's going to be like probably the most polarizing player, I think, in fantasy this year. Absolutely. I don't know what you guys thought talking about that. So well, him and David Johnson price both. bets? Yeah. What's what the is the price? price? Yeah, we got we got to talk about the price then. The listeners not got to right. know what what should they pay. Oh man, I, but the thing is, like, if you're gonna try to trade for him, like, I wouldn't give more than an early second for him. I think you can get him but, for that easily. You based think so? Startup uh, based on really? his startup value, yes. I don't know about that. Uh, I don't think so, man. Todd Gurley carries too much name value. Yeah. I don't know that that gets it done. I mean, if you can get him for a second, I feel like in a dynasty league, name value has less value. And I think that people know this is Mm. a guy who's climbing into his mid mid to late 20s, but playing like or body of climbing into his 30s (laughs) and has a one year deal. People know that in dynasty. I think you can get him for an early second. I think that's that's the 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 attempt. Like that's the offer you go to the owner with and say. Here's the second. What do you think about Todd Gurley? It's time to move on. If they're asking for a first, I think I'm out. Especially this year, if if, if you're a team who's looking to rebuild and you happen to have Gurley left, and you're rebuilding because Gurley tied on your team, I'm if, if I'm the if I'm the rebuilding owner, I'm doing that in a, in a heartbeat. All right, maybe hey, listeners, go check it out. See what you can do. Yeah. I don't know if that gets it done. And get back we'll to see. us, please. If you All pull right. off yeah, a yeah, Todd yeah. Gurley trade, I want to hear it. I want to know. This sounds like a poll. What happened? This okay. Like a poll we need yeah, to do. Yeah, well, I'll put. It does. I'll put out a poll. What would you pay right. for, for yep. Todd Gurley in Dynasty? So mid first, late uh, first, yeah, he's early second, mid second. Give those range of outcomes. Yeah, he's he's extremely interesting this year for for fantasy. And we just have an article going up on the site today uh, from Kai talking about the range of outcomes for Todd Gurley seeing if he can make the leap into RB1 territory again this year. So check that out. All right, guys, last player to close off the show. I don't even know what else there is to say, except for I just want to read off the fantasy finish for this player in every single season over the past five years. Starting last year, this is half PPR. Wide receiver four, wide receiver seven, wide receiver five. Oh, a down year, wide receiver eight. (laughs) Then the wide receiver one in fantasy. I'm talking about Julio Freaking Jones. Mm, Julio Touchdown Dude, Jones. This guy. V. Julio. Wide receiver one. Nah. <laughs> touchdown Jones. But it doesn't okay. matter because clearly he's always a top eight fantasy receiver and most times top five. 
Listen, we just talked about Tiger Gurley, and I agree with everything Okada's saying. If he stays healthy, it's going to be awesome. But if he doesn't, Matt Ryan is going to lead the NFL in pass attempts. I firmly believe that. This defense is not good. This offensive line is middling, middling of, of the road here. But can, are you telling me Ito Smith's going to be the dude? Or are you going to give Quadrialis in the ball to the backfield? No, you're going to let Matt Ryan chuck it, and it's going to be Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley all day long. I'm going to rank Julio aggressively in redraft. I'm going out and getting him in all my dynasty rosters that I'm a contender because everyone looks at that age. They say, I don't know, like 31. This could be his last good year. Julio Jones just keeps doing it year after year after year. Go get this dude and win a fantasy football championship. Julio Jones is going to return a ton of value this year, even in Dynasty. We were just talking with John before the, the show started. Yeah. Shocker, he's in a startup. And <laughs> Something new and different. Went, yeah, he went in the fourth round of a 4. Dynasty startup. 4.03, like, I got the, Julio Jones at the 4.03. Take the risk. Take him there. You'll have him for two years, and he'll still be a top 10 option. Yep. So I'm in on, on Julio this year, um, and obviously, for good reason, uh, go out and get that guy. Yeah, I mean, listen. Uh, I'm going to bounce off you, bets and say that I actually even like Julio maybe more, certainly as much, if Gurley is what I talked about him being. Because Matt Ryan was among the top uh, quarterbacks in the league in attempts last year, and he led the league in completions. But they had no running game to speak right. of, right. and that does not help. No. So if Gurley is out there establishing a great running game, creating a threat of a balanced offense... Even if Matt Ryan drops down to you know five seventy pass attempts instead of six ten or whatever he was last year, drops down to five seventy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, come on. Those those attempts and those completions and where they are in the field and what how often they get in the red zone, all's going to go up. All that's good for Julio. I like it just as much if Gurley's good and healthy and producing. This is the easiest smash on the entire board because yeah. you are guaranteed to get a wide receiver one and take you to the fantasy championship with Julio Jones. And the great thing is you're getting him as a wide receiver too in startups, which is yep. what I've done twice. I think this offseason now um, I have Devonte Adams and Julio Jones on one roster in a startup. And I'm just laughing all the way to the bank. It's so easy to take Julio. He's fantastic. I, I don't get the people that are sleeping on him. He's under contract for four more seasons and carries mm -hmm, a extended. lot of, a lot of cap, like 11 mil per year in dead cap over those years. He's not going anywhere. Julio's going to be a round, yeah. and he has proven it year after year after year, like what Betts was saying. He is a top-tier wide receiver one until he's not. You just treat him as such. I don't care how old he is. He's a physical specimen. He leaps with the best of them. Contested catches are just highlight reel material. Just... Give me that. Takes it away. Sorry, you did it to your secondary a couple times. I've got it. <clears throat> um, but he's just hey, it's okay. so good. We still won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, but he's just so good. I don't understand why people are sleeping on him just because of the age number. He's not declining at all. He's still looking fantastic. He's still got his quarterback. He's, he's in the same situation he's been in. For years, he knows that offense like the back of his hand. He knows that quarterback deeply, like they're on the same page on every throw. I, I yeah, he's he's ridiculous. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's probably one of the ten best talented wide receivers in NFL history. He's absolutely absurd. He should be on your roster. Go get him. Yes, sir. 
we will close out the show on that note. Go make some dynasty trades. Go win a championship, boys. It's 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 time, man. I'm excited. I'm gonna go make some trades as soon as we end the show here. Yeah, uh, if you like what you're hearing, please drop a rating and review in your podcast app. Not only because it would help us out a lot, but also that is a way to enter the Devontae Adams signed jersey contest. So check that out. Check out patreon.com slash pod. Get in that Slack channel. Let's talk. Let's talk fantasy football. Let's talk dynasty trades. Let's talk about whatever. What Okada's having for lunch. What John's going to do this evening. We can talk about anything you guys want. Mm. Hit us up in Slack. Uh, we are back on Saturday for the second show this week. And, fellas, we're doing a mock draft, a redraft mock draft on that show. So you guys are going to want to tune in for that. Ooh. Fellas, anything else for the people before we get out of here? Uh, uh, no. Uh, don't overvalue rookies <laughs> in your startup drafts. Hmm. Perfect. Just Words of wisdom nugget. from John. That's a nice little, uh, nice little way to close out the show. A bit. We should put a, we should put some music to that. Little like, nugget. Like, like little the Dynasty more you know music. John. The more yeah. you know. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are officially off the rails. We're going to close it out. Until next time, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.